We're heading home for the playoffs, baby. First and now is your official BC Lions podcast. It's a victory Monday, as they say here in the studio, in the office. Nick Kowalski, Matt Baker. Uh, Nick, feels great, baby, was what we said last week after clinching. And you're a perfect two for two. Your second season with the team, and it's another home playoff game. Uh, Lions uh, clinching. Home spot, first place up for grabs at the win over Saskatchewan. And yeah, my friend feels pretty good right now. Yeah, like you said, for me, it's sort of the norm, the expectation now, right? But it's, it's not me. It's I would say it's more <laughs> of Nathan Roark, Vernon Adams Jr., Rick Campbell, his whole coaching staff putting it all together on the field, right? Keon but, Hatcher, yeah. Yeah, the list can go on. Matthew Betts, we can be here for days. Luchez Pirafoy had a good year last year. Yeah, you know. All-star performance, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it feels good. I mean, that, that crowd last year... The home, we talk about the home openers at BC Place these past two years and how yeah. how, uh, how good of an environment they've been and how much fun they've been to be a part of. But that playoff game, I think, stands out to me last year in terms of, or even not even last year, but these past two years, in terms of the noise level, yep. uh, the energy, and just the amount of fun you had in that game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having another one at BC Place, and we just don't know when. Yeah, so it uh, could be the division semifinal on November 4th, uh, the division final November 11th. Saturday playoff games, I love that. I know yeah, you oh do yeah. too. I know uh, several people uh, that we talk to are of the same mindset. It's funny though, uh, you mentioned last year's Western semi, 30-16 to 16 win over Calgary, but it wasn't even that close. No. Like Calgary got their touchdown uh, at the end. It was, uh, I think it was 27-9 and when they finally got in the end zone and, and we got a field goal at the end to put a little icing on the cake. Um, that was a very special day, a very big day. And that Calgary kind of came out aggressive that day. Remember they were going for it on a third down in the first quarter that the Lions stuffed them. Um, the Antonio Pipkin trick played a hatcher for one that really broke it open in the third quarter. Just a just a day of execution by the Lions. Nathan Rourke, not 100%, but battling through, coming back, getting spatted up at halftime. That's one of those, I've kept that on my PVR the whole time. If I'm ever, you know, if I ever want to go back, if I need a little bit of a pick-me-up at home, I'll just toss on... It wasn't the Grey Cup, we get that, but you're right. That was a very special day, and yeah, a win over Winnipeg this Friday, and you're in the driver's seat for first place. We'll get into all that and all the scenarios, but yeah, just the idea of getting back home for the playoffs, whether it's the semifinal or the final, is outstanding. You certainly would have taken that at the start of the year, but it's all thanks to a uh, a game, again, speaking of the score, what not as close as uh, the score indicated uh, Saskatchewan uh, not giving up. Jake Dolagala and company will give him credit for that. But um, for me, it's all about Vernon Adams, Nick. Uh, season high, 458 yards. Keon Hatcher came up huge, as did Alexander Hollins. But great to have VA perform at such a solid level in that win. Yeah, definitely a statement game by Vernon Adams Jr. Another 450-plus against Saskatchewan. I know on the broadcast they were saying in his last seven quarters, Vernon Adams had like 821 yards against the Rough Riders, which right. is just ridiculous. But it's a performance that uh, I know we're going to get into the MOP talk too in this episode later, but it's that's the type of performance I think everyone needed to see from Vernon Adams Jr. to one, not only put him in that conversation or keep him in that conversation, but put him like right at the top of that conversation now. Uh, yeah. no, no turnovers is a big thing with that win too, right? Vernon Adams never uh, gave the ball up and uh, 
yeah, made it made his throws and having Dominique Rhymes back to full weapons at receiver, it really showed on the field. And Rhymes had a quiet, I think it was 92 yards in the win, right? Like he was still productive, but like you said, it was it was the Keon Hatcher, Alex Holland show as it has it uh, as it's been all year. Yeah, and he initially was called an interception. He threw that one, um, was it Derek Moncrief? Yeah, and Hatch battling. So Keon Hatcher doing it all. Sometimes as a receiver, you have to quote-unquote become a defender and was watching uh, on the replay while it was being reviewed, was standing next to Farhan Lalji, and we said, we both kind of agreed, that looks like simultaneous possession. So that goes to the offense in that situation, and uh, sure enough, the ball ended up coming loose it was it was one of those where he didn't complete the process talking about the defender in this case so thankfully uh instant replay we think got it right obviously we're yeah <laughs> we're wearing orange colors here on this podcast orange and black but and even in real time it looked like ah i don't even know if he completed the process of making that play and as we saw on the replay Keon Hatcher did his part to make sure the Lions maintained possession in that situation. Yeah, remember last week it was all about Rhymes, and naturally so. Uh, he's one of the team's top playmakers. Injuries have played a, a role this year in, in his quest for another 1,000-yard year after his 1,400 a year ago, but uh, wasn't much of a talking point, and that's a good thing. Hatcher and Hollins. Keon Hatcher with 172, career high for him, and and to me... That's important because he had a couple quote-unquote quieter weeks. Nicky only had one catch against Ottawa two weeks ago. Had a couple big plays in Edmonton uh, right before half that set up a field goal, a catch and run. It's good every week to see another one of these guys leading the charge. Does it make it even more impressive than the fact that Keon Hatcher is averaging 10 more yards per game than any other CFL receiver in the league? Yeah. That he had some quiet games, but... Hey, yeah. MOP talk, right? We're talking about MOP candidates. I think the two quarterbacks uh, in this game Friday will, will be the leading candidates, but yeah. But yeah, and back to those calls too, I thought, I thought yeah, that was the right call where neither person ultimately had... Uh, uh, possession in that case and then there was another one that I thought the refs did a really good job on at the end of the game in the, in the fourth quarter on that uh on that defensive pass interference offensive pass interference review that's rare to see but yeah. it was the right call and I, yeah. thought, I thought the refs overall did a good job interesting uh interesting tidbit the riders had zero penalties on uh on um in this game so that was that was kind of interesting to see but uh yeah the refs the refs did a solid job I thought it was like you said too it was it was a seven point victory but it did feel like it was it was way larger, right? Like I actually, I actually made a note to take a screenshot after the third quarter where the Riders had 182 net yards and the Lions had 468. And it was a 22 yeah. point game. So uh, by that point, yeah, the Riders scored a couple times late, made the numbers look pretty and all that. But onside kick yeah. recovery in there, kind of. But threw, it, yeah. but call it spade a spade. The game was pretty much over. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things had to happen for it to even get to one possession game. So, and. The team ultimately got got the job done. Yeah, we told you last week we predicted on this very podcast that the the bat phone would be ringing, and sure enough, it always is. Hollins gets behind coverage, seventy one yards, uh, no defenders uh, within <laughs> fifteen yards of him. It seemed, and that's big play VA. That's the receivers. Uh, this offense can change field position and change the course uh, of the game at the drop of a hat. So. Kudos. Uh, I mean, the defense, the the offense will get a lot of the headlines, uh, but the defense coming up big, uh, three quarterback sacks, Matthew Betts now two back of the Canadian record. He's got 15 on the year. 
Of course, uh, he had a monster game in Winnipeg back in week three uh, with three sacks on Zach Caleras. So that uh, that's good to see. The And they're going to have a test this week with Brady Oliveira. But we're going to talk Lions and Blue Bombers here. Uh, game of the year. Uh, talking to a couple players after practice today on Monday we record this. They're doing their best to downplay it. You know, we talked to Marcus Sales, and he's like, yeah, it's a big game, but at the same time, we can't lose focus. We can't make it seem bigger than it is, even though the stakes are really high. But it's the Lions and Bombers. It has been the two best teams in this division all year long and kind of a weird uh, start to the season series, of course. So we turned a lot of heads going in there in week three, 30 to six, just a complete defensive domination uh, Ali B, Batman, with a big touchdown before half to kind of change the course of that game after it looked like the Blue Bombers were going to be chipping away. And uh, we all know what happened the last time we went in there, August the 3rd, uh, a 50-14 to defeat. You could smell the blood in the water from the get-go of that night. The Blue Bombers, of course, they were angry. They were coming off a bye. It was our third game in 12 nights. Uh, might sound like excuses, but... That was the backdrop, not taking anything away from Winnipeg because uh, we know full well they're still very capable of, of making you pay if you're not on your game. But um, I have a hunch this one might be a little bit closer and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the winner would essentially be in the driver's seat. The winner would just have a magic number of one to host the West Final. So stakes don't get much bigger than that in the regular season, young Nick. No, and the big difference with this game, too, is that Vernon Adams Jr. is obviously going to be playing quarterback That's right. for the yep. BC Lions. I think people forget that Vernon did not address in that 50-14 to 14 loss. I've actually seen comments online of people using that against him, that he's always yeah. blown out against the Bombers. No, that What was... are you talking about? He <laughs> lost 50-14. to 14. He can't be the MOP. Yeah, no. Vernon Adams is not playing in that game. He, he was playing in the game where they won 30-6. to 6. And to take it to another <laughs> level, remember, Dane Evans went out before halftime. Yeah. So, Don, it, 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 this is... This is not taking away uh, from anything because we, we do love the quarterback depth that we have, but just goes to show you how shorthanded they were at the most important position. Yeah, not trying to make any excuses. I'm purposely trying to avoid any excuses. Right. 50-14 to 14 loss because they were obviously the better team that night. But it, Those guys we, aren't playing defense, uh, the quarterbacks were talking Exactly, about, yeah. So. My point here is that Vernon Adams Jr. and Zach Caleras, they have been the two best quarterbacks in the CFL this year, at least in the West, right? And now they are going head-to-head in the most meaningful game in the CFL season, and that's something that I think if that doesn't get you excited to go watch some CFL football in downtown Vancouver, then I don't know what will. But going back to the 30-6 the to six game, I mean, the, the thing that stood out to me, too, in terms of not holding Winnipeg to six points was we sacked them seven times. Seven. Matthew, Matthew Betts getting three. Yep. That was the key, right? And you, you the, the numbers show when there's a sack on a drive, especially in the CFL where you only get two downs, your chances of scoring drastically change, right? Right. So um, ultimately it showed on the scoreboard where Winnipeg could not do anything in terms of getting points on the scoreboard. So. Um, where the game will be win and lost is a lot to say in the trenches, right? With Matthew Betts for Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick, uh, Sione Tuihemos emerged as quite a bit, uh, quite a good run, run stopper, right? And and our, we saw it two weeks ago in Edmonton with RP's kind of luxurious blitz packages growing in, right? Like I'm sure he has more of those up his sleeve in, in this in this big game. And another, remember that big moment in that first game for me was the huge hit by Josh Banks on special teams. That was the the type of moment for me. I'm like, okay, something might be going, something might be cooking with this Lions team tonight because Winnipeg's a team, you know, they thrive on making you pay, hitting you in the mouth, more physical. The Lions made a point of being the much more physical football team that night, and it showed. 
And yeah. you're going to have to see that again here on Friday. And even in that, in that entire game, there was a play, uh, it was a final play of the first quarter where Quincy Moget uh, crushed Dalton Schoen. That's right. It was, it was half a second late, and they, yeah. they they rightfully gave him a flag, but Schoen had a quiet night. He had two catches for 34 yards. Um, and you don't think if that's a tone setter hit, then uh, you're you're wrong <laughs> when you when you look at that. And you look at even um, a Marcus Sales hit. I look back on that in the third quarter on Brady Oliveira, where uh, Sales jumps a flat route and just blows up Brady Oliveira. So to your point, yeah, BC was by far the more physical team that game, um, and on the line of scrimmage too, right? When it came to the winning winning your pass rushes too. So that's that's definitely a key. It often is in football and. When two Goliaths, like these two teams, meet head-to-head, it's, it's going to be a key. The more physical team is going to be the one that, that likely wins this one and and likely uh, ends up going farther uh, in the dance. Of course, both these teams, 11-4, and four, and mirror each other in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, you look at this Lions team dropping a couple of games to Saskatchewan and Hamilton teams, you, you would say on any given day they should beat, but... Any given day, anything can happen. Remember, Winnipeg lost in Ottawa as well, right? Ottawa almost came. We don't know how close Ottawa came to pulling it off here. Uh, Winnipeg also has a loss to Hamilton and a loss to Saskatchewan. So um, these teams have identical records, and uh, they mirror each other in a lot of ways. But uh, let's get into it. Um, Typically, the most outstanding player finalist is a guy who's winning games in October, leading his team to a playoff bye in the first round. I'm not saying the winner on Friday here definitely uh, has the upper hand, but it's kind of trending in that direction. So we know Brady Oliveira is at over 1,300 yards rushing. Uh, we know both the Lions and Bombers have a couple of elite receivers. We've talked about the Keon Hatchers, the Alex Hollands. Uh, Dalton Schoen, uh, Rashid Bailey, uh, Kenny Lawler in Winnipeg, but it is a quarterback-driven league. It is a quarterback-driven voting process. I think you're going to see the two quarterbacks uh, as the two prime candidates for West Division MOP nominee. I think you can circle Chad Kelly in the East, just based on how that's gone, but we're only talking about the West. How do you see this, Nick? Vernon Adams Jr., he is the CFL's passing yards leader, 4,005. Um, passing touchdown, Zach Kolaris has the upper hand, 30 to Adams' 28. But keep in mind, we talked about Vernon being hurt. I think uh, Zach missed almost a full game in Edmonton when he got hit low there, came back the following week, right? Yeah, that was in the second quarter. Um, so Vernon essentially missed, what was it, two full games? Well, you can count three if you want to count the Sask one. Yeah, two, right? three full games. Sorry, got, got hurt early in Saskatchewan, and then uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg were the two road games uh, with the with the knee injury, the sprained knee. So that takes into account, too, that he's leading and passing and missed a bit of time. So... Yeah, I, it's up for grabs with both these two quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think it's a fascinating race. You can make the case for Adams. I know some of the voters might look at the interception total. Sad but true. That's something people always look at. But Zach's turned the ball over a bit too. It, it's a fascinating race. So where do you see it leading here? Well, Zach has, uh, just to chime in on that, Zach has two fewer interceptions, but he has three pick sixes this year. So yeah, pretty costly And he has fumbles, but he's got fumbles in there too, right? One more fumble yeah. than Vernon Adams Jr. up. So... 
Um, I think it's fair to say the winner of this game has a very strong edge in, in being nominated out of the West for this award. And at this point now, too, it's it's an interesting case with Chad Kelly in terms of that he sat out a game where he was healthy, right, because of them clinching first place already. Right. But that takes a huge hit to his, his numbers, right? Like Vernon has, they've both played 13 games now. And mind you, the the game where Vernon had eight yards in the first quarter against Sask had left, that counts as a game played for him, right? Yeah. So he kind of has 12 games played in reality. Um, but Vernon has over 600 more passing yards than, than uh, Chad Kelly. And um, I know Chad has a bunch of rushing touchdowns, but Vernon has seven more passing touchdowns than Chad. So I think based on a production, if you just look at the numbers, Vernon right now has the best numbers, period. I mean, Vernon has a better completion percentage than both uh, Chad Kelly and, and, uh, and Zach Kalaras yeah. too, right? And it's not like, I mean, if you watch Vernon, he's not he's not d- d- dinking and diving down the way down the field, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of deep shots, a lot of contested balls. Uh, big play VA is his nickname after all, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to say, yeah, the the winner of this game has such a strong chance of getting first place in the West Division. And the fact that this game, it kind of it all comes down to this game. I, the pressure in this situation is huge, right? And if if either of these quarterbacks has a big night and ultimately takes a win, I think I think it's more than fair to say that the winner of this game should be at least the nomination for the most outstanding uh, player award, or at least have the the fate that be the front runner for it at yep. this point. Could not agree more. It's it's a product of these two teams uh, fighting it out for first place, really, all season long. And lastly, with you know these two quarterbacks, comparable stories. I mean, Zach Caleros bounced around a bit, battled injuries, uh, knocked on the door uh, with Hamilton, uh, and getting to a Grey Cup, losing to Calgary here at BC Place in 2014, and. Uh, Member uh, then ended up in Saskatchewan, ended up back in Toronto before going to Winnipeg at the trade deadline in 2019. And uh, clearly uh, being traded to that organization, it speaks for itself, the wonders it has done for his career. Uh, He was always a quarterback who was kind of viewed as sort of being that echelon where he can get into being an elite guy. And it so happened uh, when he got to Winnipeg, that's, that's what it took. Vernon Adams, same thing, remember? Uh, bounced around at the start, found a home in Montreal, and then they sort of cast him off uh, last year, of course, uh, in September. Um, and the Lions are, are better off for it. You know, the circumstances weren't ideal with Nathan Rourke going down, but uh, the Lions have found their franchise quarterback. And it's kind of that's kind of a cool sort of angle to it, uh, the fact that both of these guys have bounced around and have had to persevere through some hard luck in their careers. Oh, most definitely, and I think perseverance is a major trait of these of these two individuals, just for that for those reasons you laid out. And it, it is great to see, um, especially there's been talk, you know, the last couple of leagues where there hasn't really been that elite quarterback play across the board. And we're talking Adams, Kolaris, and, and Kelly. That I'd say all three have been playing on an elite level for the majority of the season, right? And it's 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 exciting to see that you know, three of these teams or all three of their teams now have clinched home playoff games. It's much deserved, right? And it's I don't think it's any surprise that when you look at three elite quarterbacks, all three teams were were in the start of October and they've already clinched home playoff games. It's yeah. not a coincidence. Um another great angle and feel free to hit us up at Bakes Takes eighty four on Twitter at uh, Nick underscore Kowalski. He is at BC Lions. 
uh, any cases you want to make uh, when talking about this most yeah. outstanding player race. <laughs> I'll hit you back free. with numbers. Yeah, we got receipts, we got numbers, Visuals. we got it all. I, I kind of want to make a compilation of some of Vernon's throws too, because we have we have such we have a we have the closest angle possible, right? Without being on yeah. the actual field, and some of the throws he's making are like the windows he's hitting, where he's, he's just floating balls in over top linebackers in between defensive backs. It's pretty ridiculous. There's one, there's one to Dominique Grimes in the third quarter last uh, on last Friday, which is just an insane throw to look at field level. You think you think it's going right into Micah Tice's hands, but it goes right over him, mm-hmm. right right in front of the DB, right into Dom Rhymes' hands first down. It's dropping the bucket. He's been doing that all season too. Yep. Another important element of this one, and forgive us for sounding like a broken record, but it's important. That's why we keep saying it. The play up front. Uh, Winnipeg, the first couple of years anyway, this uh, run that they've been on, three straight Grey Cup appearances, two wins, was the play of their defense. Willie Jefferson, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat. In the past, they've had guys who've moved on, guys like Stove Richardson and Casey Sales making noise uh, in the interior and uh, Michael Couture knows about the importance of that. Uh, First-year Lions center has a couple of Grey Cup rings uh, with the Blue Bombers. Proud Burnaby boy. Mr. Couture, uh, we spoke with him on the importance of this matchup, and we had a little fun with Andrew Pearson crashing the party as well. Uh, let's hear from Michael Couture here on First and No. Michael Couture now, a first-year BC Lion, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber. We'll talk about your old team here in short order, but uh, just uh, coming off the win over Saskatchewan and uh, another item checked off the list, wrapping up a home playoff game. Uh, what's the vibe after that one, Mike? Yeah, the guys are excited. Uh, whenever you're able to secure something like a home playoff uh, game at this point in the season, it's always exciting. Um, you know, you celebrate that pretty quickly, though. Um, Still got three games left and you take those week by week and just kind of go from there. I know uh, there's always things in your game you want to clean up. There's never a perfect outing, but you know, you allow VA to get a season high. Uh, you have a couple of receivers uh, eclipse 1,000 yards for the season. Uh, Hatch uh, had a heck of a game. How much pride is the unit taken in the job you guys did? Yeah, a lot. You know, um, that's our job is to keep VA up. Uh, and to allow our playmakers to make the plays that they do. And obviously last game that that went really well for us. So we're just going to try and keep continuing to do that. Yep. And uh, as mentioned, Winnipeg here Friday, uh, winner in the driver's seat for the Western Crown home field for the West final. We don't want to overstate it, but uh, probably not going to find a much bigger regular season scenario than this, right? Yeah, definitely not. We're all we're all really looking forward to this one. Obviously, we're, uh, you know, one game up on each other like in the series so this is for the season series for us so that's a big one you were a member of two great cup winning teams so you saw firsthand how that team was built into a contender how much how similar do you see this current lions team than the one that was building there in winnipeg a couple years ago if that makes sense yeah very similar uh i think it starts in the locker room you know the guys are really tight a lot of guys like to hang out together and you know, the tighter you are as a group, um, the more that's going to translate onto the field, and I'm definitely seeing that, you know, throughout the course of this season. Um, just talk about their defensive front. We all know what the likes of uh, Jefferson, Jeff Coat um, have been. Uh, just that challenge, Michael. Yeah, uh, they're a great, great group. Uh, they're veteran. They're really well coached. Uh, they, they, they know what they're doing. They played in a lot of football games, so it's going to be a big challenge for sure, but we're looking forward to it. Now that you're uh, eight games deep at BC Place and with, uh, counting the preseason, have you had a chance to like reflect on the moments at BC Place this year? And are there any that stand out in, in terms of playing in front of your uh, home city crowd? 
I try not to reflect too much, probably until after the season. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some moments, you know, coming back against Ottawa. Obviously, it was was a, was a cool one to have uh, friends and family be able to watch me play so frequently. Now um, is another cool one for me. So yeah. The big difference with this game too on on Friday is that it's at BC Place, obviously. But you're you're used to playing in these high stakes games back in your time at Winnipeg. Can you just talk about like how the actual environment changes when it, the stakes get higher in, in football? Um, yeah, it's, it's just there's more emphasis on on getting your job done. Uh, I feel like when the stakes are high and you know it's more important games, sometimes guys can try and maybe do a little bit too much. But as long as everybody sticks to what their assignment is on every play. You know we're going to be just fine, and I'm excited to be able to do that in our home stadium. You know we've had two games in Winnipeg dealing with you know their crowd noise, you know in their home stadium, but now they got to come to us, so I'm looking forward to that. Anything you want to add to this, Andrew Pearson? Yeah, Andrew Pearson with the Independent. Um, how important is uh, you know being close with your offensive line and not hating them on a daily basis? Can you just touch on the camaraderie that you might have with the O line? Yeah, what are we missing out? Who hates who here? What's? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no comment. Okay, we got stumped by Andrew Pearson. It's officially complete. Michael, thank you for joining the podcast, and uh, we look forward to this one. Gravy Bowl. Uh, Thanksgiving food, quickly in closing. What's your favorite Thanksgiving item? Ooh. Uh, stuffing. Okay. I'm going to go with stuffing. Not a huge turkey guy. Um, stuffing. Uh, eating contest with uh, Pearson and Couture. Who wins? He's got it. No, hands down. Cool. You you guys had your all line dinner ready with the mode, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Eater there. Who ate the Neville. most at Simba's? Oh, I don't know. Might, it might have, we Neville. He was, was for those who can't hear. I was in physical pain after yeah, that. I was so forward, full. But, uh, Neville, my personal experience can is just can put it back the best. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He can throw it down with anyone. All right. So I guess Neville then. All right, we covered a lot of topics. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and yours, Mike, and uh, let's get the dub. Awesome. Love it. And, uh, you know, when you saw Andrew Pearson lurking around there that it was going to get funny, but that's an element of this game, Nick. The trenches up front and the offensive line, uh, like we talked about there with Michael, uh, did a fine job against Saskatchewan. Going to have to be even better this week, you think. Mm-hmm. And another encouraging sign that uh, we're recording this on Monday, and it was just a walkthrough today, but Suk Chung was out there in uniform, yep. obviously missing last game. With the starters, um, yeah. And that's where the depth of Andrew, they're having Andrew Pierce, a guy like Andrew Pearson around really proved pivotal, right? Like he was able to step into Suk's right guard position after playing in the left guard position for majority of the year where, where David Neville is currently occupying. So... Um, and just based off with Neville and Pearson, those are two guys that have taken a couple years to get to this point to where they are now, right? And I don't think they're going to be motivated if they're out in there playing guards in this in this massive game, probably the game of their CFL lives so far, right? In terms of starting and even Sook, right? Sook's a former Blue Bomber as well, right? So they're, the motivation's there for Michael Couture. The motivation's there, so um, I'm expecting them to p- perform like that, and it's it's I'm just exciting to see it on uh, Friday night. Love it. Uh, Michael Couture, heck of a guy. Uh, glad we got him here. Yeah. Always love the story of good local players coming home to play with the BC Lions. Uh, so we've talked quarterbacks. We've talked uh, up front. Anything else uh, that intrigues you with this matchup? 
I'm sure the secondary is going to want to put better or put forth a much better performance, oh, yeah. right? They take a lot of pride in their work and being the best defense and and locking things down, right? And from that 50 to 14 game, it was kind of an air raid. It was Kenny Lawler's first game against us. This first play two. from scrimmage, right? Yeah, <laughs> Dal- it was Dalton Show and Kenny Lawler. Yeah. It was kind of everybody, right? So I know uh, they were definitely not happy with their performance in that one, and they take pride on being the best defense in the league. They say it themselves, and. Uh, you got to you got to walk the walk this week, right? Winnipeg's been playing like a top defense as well. So. Have to back it up. But and then it's on the flip side too. There's receiving cores. I think I think people are saying Winnipeg's the best, but we'll say no, we're the best. And it's another chance for the list Lions receiver group to prove they're the best. And it goes to the same for Winnipeg, right? They they think they're the best there, and they'll be looking to prove it too. Something to keep an eye on this week. Keep tracking. Uh, Demario Houston left Winnipeg's win over Toronto with an injury. Uh, the Bombers did not practice on Monday, unlike uh, the Lions here. So that's maybe a storyline uh, injury-wise for those guys because you know that guy is capable of changing a game. Look no further than their win in Calgary earlier this year, one-point win where his pick six was the only touchdown for either team mm-hmm. all night long back in August. The Gravy Bowl, uh, we promoted it a bit with Couture there. Uh, Thanksgiving celebration, our, our backyard party. Presented by PlayNow.com gets going four o'clock. A Thanksgiving themed menu. I'm gonna go. I'm going up there, Nick. I'm I'm gonna have the turkey poutine. That's that's gonna be my pregame meal. I'm gonna go up there. Um, I'm already uh, salivating uh, over the thought of uh, getting some some turkey on a Friday night. Uh, we're gonna celebrate it in style. There's gonna be some sort of competition out there. Perhaps a pie eating contest. We don't know, but five dollar Molson Coors beverages as always starting at 4 o'clock, and uh, it's going to be a festive. Hopefully, it's going to be a festive night. I like the Thanksgiving theme here. I know you do, too. Yeah, it's always exciting. It's uh, Leaves are changing their colors. You know, the weather's getting a little crisper out there. It's still pretty or warm Or wet today, in Monday's case. Yeah, yeah. Still, the, the air is a little crisper, right? You know, and um, another thing about this game, too, is the, Was- the University of Washington Huskies. Huskies band, Marching yep. band's going to be in attendance. Uh, that's going to be a cool atmosphere. It's going to feel a little more college-like, I bet. And it's, it's going to be packed anyway, so it's going to be already rocking to begin with, but... Yeah, it's a lot to look forward to on Friday. Adult, Off the field, too. Yes, adult tickets uh, starting at $25, youth 17 and under, get in for 10 And um, if you're if you're only going to one regular season game, first off, you should be going to more, but this is the one you want to go to. 11-4 Lions, 11-4 Bombers, 7 o'clock, save on Foods Field at BC Place. The Gravy Bowl, a presentation of our good friends at Save On Foods as well. Like last week, we are the second half of a Friday doubleheader. Elks at the Argos. Uh, Edmonton coming off the bye since our victory there at Commonwealth a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We've talked about the Elks quite a bit, playing better. Trey Ford giving them a shot of adrenaline these past uh, five, six games. The Elks pretty much need to win out and get some help. Their playoff hopes officially hanging by a thread, but they just been focused on playing better football and I have a hunch Chad Kelly will be back taking reps here for Toronto at 12 and 2 have clinched first in the East. Looking forward to seeing how Edmonton measures themselves up against uh Toronto here. Yeah, and they're off a bye too, right? Not playing after after hosting us the week prior too, right? And this is a very important game like you said for the Elks. Uh, I think it's their first trip to Toronto in a couple of years, too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they went there last I year. think it's their first time there since that three-game, yep. three-and-eight days, whatever it was, <laughs> at the yep. end of 2021, where they went to Saskatchewan 
on a Saturday, went to Toronto on a Tuesday, then came here on a Friday. So you're right. Yeah. But yeah, two electrifying quarterbacks here. You got Chad Kelly. He's been kind of being the air raid offense lately with the Argos if he's starting. And then it's Trey Ford. He's kind of in the talk of the town when it comes to um, that new age quarterback, right, in the CFL with his using his legs. And he's going to have to be, I'm sure he's going to have to be running around all night in this one, especially Argos got a top defense too. And like you said, the Elks, it's kind of now or never when it comes to playoffs. Saturday, 4 o'clock our time, Hamilton in Saskatchewan. Uh, the Riders, I read, uh, inviting all kinds of legends back, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their last Grey Cup win, which was at home against Hamilton. So, nice little tie-in here. But uh, the Tiger Cats get it done against Calgary, and that was big because they stay within two points of Montreal. The only other real intriguing race other than first in the West will be second in the East, who's home for the division semifinal there. Montreal at eight and seven. We'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, this Tiger Cat team, <laughs> I mean, Jekyll and Hyde, is that, is that how you, you describe them? And Saskatchewan, uh, they're just trying to win a football game. They still have a four-point edge on Calgary for third in the Western Division. So um, these are two desperate teams here for different reasons. Yeah, and it's it's Matthew Schultz at quarterback now for the Tiger yep. At least it was on, on Saturday against Calgary, right? So, so yeah, like you said, like, Hamilton comes to BC with Taylor Powell and beats us. Then they host a Winnipeg with Taylor Powell and beat them. And then and that suddenly they go to Matthew Schultz for a spark and he provides that and they beat the Stampeders. So they're they're doing it by any means necessary. That they've proven that they're gonna exhaust all the resources in order to whatever it takes to get a win, right? And that was Matthew Schultz in that game. And it was Schultz hitting uh Tim White for a seventy yard touchdown on that one, which proved to be a massive play. And Tim White now quietest thousand yards. I can't remember. Like, yep. no one really talks about him as a superstar status, but he's right in there along with, like, the Kenny Lawlers, the Keon Hatchers, the Reg- Reggie Bagletons, right? So Tim White quietly been a top weapon for them again. Um, What's the latest with Bo Levi Mitchell? They were showing him on TV me. every five minutes there, of course, because they were playing Calgary. That would have been his, his first time against his old team. But... uh yeah, is the goal still for him to come back? That and, don't ask me. <laughs> I'm not just. It's a rhetorical question. Like I'm, I don't expect you to have all the insiders. We should get Farhan on here to, yeah, to maybe ask Farhan him. question. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of in in that similar vein, did you notice Trevor Harris walking around without a cast on at, at BC Place Friday and kind of going through the motions? And he's clearly trying to get back. Might be harder to do, but. What? Unfortunate circumstances for both those quarterbacks, though. Uh, leg injuries and, yeah. In Ryderville, though, I think Jake Dalagala played a pretty well game for them. And he's, he's pretty, he's beaten Went us over before. 400 yeah. yards against us again, right? Again, half so. of those came in the fourth quarter on almost in the final two drives when it was out of reach. But I thought he played over, overall pretty well, right? And he's beaten Winnipeg. So I think they're in good hands no matter what. And no matter, like, yeah. We just talked about Hamilton. Like, they got other quarterbacks, too, that are uh, delivering them wins. But... Um, it is in a kind of a grander scale too. Like the, the recovery time now for these major injuries is crazy. Like even even last night in, in the NFL, you saw Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he says he's coming back at the end, and he looked quite mobile yeah. for a guy that blew his Achilles less than a month ago, right? Yeah. So it's it's pretty crazy to see where sports science has gone and all the new ways that athletes are recovering in, in timely manners. You know, Nathan, even Nathan Rourke last season coming back, right? And kind of defying the odds. Yeah. So it's 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 a, it's, it's a good thing to see when it comes to sports science. Speaking of that Jets-Chiefs game, was Taylor Swift there? Any any idea? Was she? Was I was she, loving it. Was she, need, was need, she there? Need, I'm just, need, need the, I'm the trying, I'm just trying to get this confirmed. She was there, right? 
I didn't watch Good. the game personally, but I saw it on social media everywhere. And it's, hey, hey like I was telling you, it makes sense. She's one of the biggest stars in the entire All right. planet. Right? I, you know, so I, I get it. But cameras are going to follow her no matter what. All I'm saying is if my Niners are in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, I don't. I might have to listen on NFL radio and not watch it just because, you know, because, you know, she'll be there if the Chiefs are there. She'll probably be doing she like doing a, the anthem? No, that's Usher doing the anthem. I'm sure they could uh, slide her in somehow. She's that big, like I was just saying. By the way, two huge thumbs up for Green Day. Oh yes, the halftime show. Yes, I'm, that was incredible. I'm jacked up for this. I was riding the SkyTrain when I when I uh, refreshed. Yeah, and my, I, uh, my wife and I uh, were taking an Uber into Kits to hang out with some friends and have a few drinks. But um, so we were both in transit, as they say, and yeah, I. Sign me up, man. I love Same. Green Day. We had a back and forth where we were just naming Green Day songs that we love. And I think uh, you look at the reaction on social media, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, I'd say deservedly so. Deservedly so. That's a big get. Like, they're they're still... I think you were saying that you saw them in Vegas. That was you, right? I saw them in Oakland. Oakland. Which was cool because that's their hometown. So, quick story. So, I, I, did, a, I did a bit of a trip a few years ago. Went and saw a 49ers game at Levi's Stadium against the Jets. A good buddy of mine lives uh, just outside of Santa Clara. Okay. So we got tickets to the San Jose Sharks game on the Saturday night. And then uh, this friend of mine, he's he's a big music guy. And he says, if you're willing to leave the hockey game after the second period, we can jet to Oakland because Gre- there's some kind of festival going on at the Oracle Arena, the former home of the Golden Warriors. State Warriors where the Toronto Raptors won their championship, that same arena. This happened a few years after, but he's like, if you want to leave, I'd love to go see Green Day. We look on, tickets are like 17 bucks. Okay, done. <laughs> I'll miss the third period of a San Jose Carolina game to go see Green Day. And it was awesome. Uh, lots of love, because it was in their hometown. They played all their hits. It was one of those 40-minute sets, because it was part of a longer festival, but they played pretty much all their most of their best hits that they could fit in. So, yeah, needless to say, I'm jacked. They got quite a bit of hits, too. I think oh, um, yeah. any, any can... Green Day fans listening, there's one, there, it's a random song, like they're definitely not going to perform it on the, on the magnitude, like a Grey Cup stage, but there's a song called East Jesus Nowhere by Green Day, and it's one of yeah. my favorite, it's, it's kind of a random song, but it's one of my favorite Green Day songs, and it's not one of their more popular ones, but... Uh, you figure you're, you you're going to get Basket Case, When I Come Around, American, maybe Boulevard Amer- of Broken Dreams. 100%, Wake Me Up With Some Timberlands. Holiday, yeah. American Idiot. There's going to be some Canadian? left out here. Yeah, I'm just Canadian saying, Idiot. Yeah, do a little uh, remix. Yeah, there's there might be a few Canadian idiots inside Tim Horton's field on Grey Cup Sunday. We won't name names. Uh, but yeah, my point being, yeah, there's I, I'm jacked up. Good on the CFL for, and it makes me excited for what we're going to have here in 2024 because you know, uh, yeah, Mr. A... Doman and his Grey Cup committee are already planning. The merch too, the you see the logo design with the the, the iconic. I can't. I don't know the album name for Green Day, but the CFL put it on a graphic. Yeah, with, with like the, the yeah the fist. Yeah, that yeah. that was that was iconic. So I kind of want to scoop one of those uh, merch items up, or whether it's a T-shirt or whatever, when uh, when that time comes. Very clever. All right, that's a long-winded setup to the final game of Week 18. We got a Thanksgiving Monday game. We get to come in here, work on Monday morning, and then have a game on. It's a rematch, Ottawa and Montreal. How about that Sean Lemon, uh, Nick? The big dagger, fumble return touchdown. The Alouettes maintain their two-point edge on Hamilton for second spot. 
love Thanksgiving Day football. Yeah, unfortunately for the Red Blacks, they kind of just came out flat, right? And Montreal took it to them pretty much from the from the start of the game to the finish, right? And Montreal goes to about 500 now. They have, they're in the driver's seat for a home playoff game. They clinched a home playoff spot with that victory. Um, but, yeah, the Alouettes, like we we talked, we said the other week where they, I think all seven of their losses are to us. Toronto, Toronto and Winnipeg, Winnipeg right? that's right. And they just, they're, they're two, two and three. The teams that they're supposed to be better than, they're, they're just beating with, with, with ease, right? So, uh, I mean, everyone's talking Toronto, 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 and they got the East final, but I think, I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal gave them a good go in, 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 uh, in the East final if yeah, it gets like, to that point. Well, like I was saying, whoever emerges in second and wins the semi, or whoever wins the semifinal, not necessarily going to be the team that finishes mm-hmm. second, that team will have been in playoff mode for a long time yeah. because they've been battling for positioning. And you see it all the time when a team, not all the time, but sometimes when a team clinches early and that's the challenge for Ryan Dinwiddie. It's a good problem to have. But yeah, I, I would say it's not a slam dunk that it's Toronto representing the East, even though they're they're far and away the best team out there. One note on the on the Alouettes too. You mentioned that Chad Kelly probably has the East MOP locked up. I don't like is Marc Antoine Duquois now in in that conversation now too. He scored another touchdown last week with a pick six. Yeah, remember he had one that was taken away here just by a, opening a, a pass play interfer- of the game. Yeah, pass right? interference call took one away. Yeah. He got he got a pick six against Zach Kolaris earlier in the season. So he's just been he's been a fantastic player for them. I think he's probably the front runner for the defensive player in the uh, defensive player yeah. there in the East, but. I mean, if he gets another touchdown or two in these final couple of games, I think that conversation kind of has to be had, right, when it comes multiple touchdown season for a defensive player. I get what you're saying, but knowing how the voters go, yeah. you got to think bigger picture. You I, can't, I, you oh, can't I'm just have the, not disagreeing you with you. You can't be uh, predetermined. Yeah. That's all, all I'm right. saying. That's good. Uh, it, it's good to have uh, multiple players at multiple positions uh, doing great things. And but, yeah, Just mem- remember the feeling of that called back pick six because remember it was the game in Toronto before that yep. with the six and so you're thinking this cannot be how this starts tonight this cannot be and but he's a hell of a player he'll, he's a great he, player he's gotten a couple yep. guys this season he's definitely in in the upper echelon of defensive guys all right gravy bowl again Friday seven o'clock kickoff bclions.com tickets start at 25 dollars for adults ten dollars uh, for youth 17 and under uh, let's pack the lower bowl. Let's uh, let's get a lot more fans in there, Lions and Bombers, and be sure to uh, tune into all of our uh, channels, web, social, everything. Subscribe, rate, leave a review for this podcast, and we'll see you all this week. We'll see you uh, great fans at the stadium on Friday. Can't wait. Game of the year. Be careful out there. <laughs>